98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, we are live from the Auction Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadero. Hi, Gambo. Oh, Burnsy, what's going on? What is up? You got this yeah. smile on your face. What's going on over well, there? Well, not that much. You know how I told you that I, I, I ordered my wife the Roy Kent jersey? Yes. Right? He's here, he's there. He's, he's here, he's there. He's every blank and wear Roy Kent. He's Roy Kent, yes. Yeah, so... Um, Jersey comes today, right? Okay. She comes, the mail comes, the package, the jer- jersey's delivered. She opens it up. It's Danny Rojas. <laughs> they sent the wrong jersey. <laughs> Football is life. Football is life. They sent that a Danny Rojas jersey. Are, are you satisfied with that? I, I'd no, almost be so just as sent, satisfied with a Danny Rojas she jersey. She sent them an email. They're like, hi, sorry they sent you the wrong jersey. We'll reach out to the print provider and let them know of their error. What I will do is issue a full refund. and You can reorder the Kent jersey. You can keep the Rojas jersey. Oh, that's donate nice. it to someone in need. Again, we apologize for the. Oh, error. that's fantastic! So you got so, a free jersey out of the deal. I yeah, because she we ordered I ordered Roy Kent, so and she got Danny Rojas. So, so you know what? This is great for Chelsea because on the days that she feels like saying "oi" and <laughs> cursing around her children, yeah. uh, right? She can wear the Roy Kent jersey, well, the and feels... then on the days that she's in a really uplifting yeah. mood, she can just walk around and say "football is life." I just love having accidental options around the house, right? And what you need to do is complete the trifecta. Yeah. And on the days when she's in a oh, real no, I nasty get, mood, I will not get her, get that her jersey. Get her a Jamie Tart jersey. No, there's no, da- and, no, and no there's no way that will not happen. Complete the trifecta. So just whatever yeah. mood she's in, am I in a Jamie Tart mood? Am I in a Roy Kent mood? Well, I think I when she's Danny in her Rojas when she's mood. in her European adventures moves, because you know she likes to travel to Europe, she could wear the Roy Kent. And when she's feeling you know, her, her Mexican heritage, she could wear Danny Rojas, depending on what she wants. And again, the Jamie Tart jersey, when does that come into play? There we're, is we're not never getting going a... to be a Jamie Tart jersey. <laughs> Jamie Tart doodle doo. Jamie Tart doodle doo. That's not going to happen. Uh, all That's sorts of yeah, Ted Lasso references on the show. I hope you've watched it by now because it really is a fantastic show, save for the last episode of the yeah. most recent season. That one wasn't very good. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that, uh, that she got a free jersey out of the deal. Uh, looking forward to seeing that. In the meantime, let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Well, yesterday, Mike Kazin said they would make a decision shortly after the season ended, if not sooner. Put the emphasis on the if not sooner standpoint, because with 10 games to go in the season, including the one that's going on right now, the Arizona Diamondbacks announced that they have extended Tory Lovello's contract. They have given him a one-year deal with a team option for 2023. Tory Lovello, despite the team pacing for the worst season in franchise history, Tory Lovello will be back as manager of the D-backs next year. Yeah, what they decided to do was they, and this is what it came down to, they are not blaming Tory for the problems that led to one of the worst seasons, if not the worst in Diamondbacks history. But they are going to want him to be to hold players more accountable and to do some things like that. But they didn't want to reward his performance, and they felt like a multi-year deal would be rewarding the performance. I don't want to reward the performance. So they're not giving him a multi-year deal. They decided to do a one-year deal 
because the results of the season did not warrant Troy Lovello getting a long contract extension or a two-year or three-year contract extension. So from Tory's perspective, take a one-year deal and be a manager in Major League Baseball or don't take a one-year deal. He had no leverage. There was no leverage for Tory. No. You want to be a manager manager in Major League Baseball? We'll give you another year. Now, this does put everybody back in the same boat next year. Sure. It gives the Diamondbacks the ability to judge Tory early next year. And if he, if the Diamondbacks are playing poorly again, they can make a decision to fire Tory at some point in the season. They're not committed long term to any contract. So that's not going to force their hands with anything. But really, they did give him a modest increase from his salary. Very modest increase from the salary. The salary is not being reported, but I was told that it is an increase, but a very modest increase. You know, more like cost of living than anything else. But yeah, they did not. They're just going to let him continue. They're going to let him continue to do his job, but they're not rewarding him with a multi-year extension. Yesterday, uh, Mike Hazen, in addressing reporters, he was on a conference call with a lot of the beat reporters, and and he had said even then, Tory does a good job managing a game, but our win total is where it's at. This is not a cut-and-dry decision. It was then when he said he wants to make a decision on Tory soon, after the season ends, if not before the season ends, he took responsibility. Uh, Mike Hazen did for this the, this baseball team pacing to be the worst ever in the history of the Diamondbacks organization. "Quote: As much as we've talked about others, we should be talking about me. The job I've done should be scrutinized fairly heavily." I got another quote here, and I'm reading this off of Steve Gilbert's story on MLB.com. Mike Hazen, quote, I'm not a martyr here. I'm not trying to have it come across that way, but I need to be honest about where things have gone for us this year, I think, as it relates to things that I have more full control over, and I've specifically mentioned the bullpen. That has been an area of our performance I have the most control over in terms of personnel, and you've seen what's happened out there. That's a part that I have to take responsibility for, close quote. So here's Hazen saying, you know, I'm just as responsible for this mess that we're in as he in, and I'm not trying to be a martyr by bringing him back. I, I, I got to look at myself in the mirror and figure out what I can do better, too, moving forward with this team. Yeah, as I said yesterday, uh, Mike Hazen's job is secure and safe. They're not going to fire Mike Hazen based on the performance of this year. Mike has gone through you know, an extremely challenging year with uh, his wife having brain cancer and, and him having to take a leave of absence. If Mike decided that you know, that he, he needed time away, then it would be on Mike. But the Arizona Diamondbacks organization is not going to fire Mike Hazen after the performance this year. He, if he wants to come back as the general manager of this baseball team, he will come back as the general manager of this baseball team. So what do you think of this? I think it's fair. I mean, look, I mean, you can't say anybody's done a good job. I, I'm, I'll go to Robbie Ray, man. How was Robbie Ray about to finish first to second in a Cy Young Award? He was here for six years. You couldn't figure it out. You know Why? You know, you traded Paul Goldschmidt. You got Luke Weaver, who I don't even think I want anymore. Um, Carson Kelly's hitting 230. That didn't net you anything. You traded Zach Ranke. The best player so far is Josh Rojas. You know, the other guys, you know, Martin and, and Buskaskis, beer may end up being something, but there hasn't been anything. You know, your two biggest trades, Granke and Paul Goldschmidt, you're not really sure what you've netted out of that. Right. So I think uh, the bullpen's been an absolute disaster, yep. complete disaster. Um, and they always go cheap on the bullpen. And we've gone through this. Fernando Rodney's the closer. And, 
You know, then the next year, Brad Boxberg is the closer. And then the next year, Joaquin Suri is the closer. Like, every year it's somebody different. They don't want to spend money on the bullpen. They don't want to. And their feeling is that guys are in bullpens are hit and miss. They go up and they go down. Good yeah. year, bad year. Good year, bad year. You need some reliable guys in the damn bullpen. If you got to pay for that, then you got to pay for that. Look, I, th- I don't think Tory deserved the multi-year extension. I think that this is a this is the middle ground. Okay, this is the middle ground. It's you are fair way of looking at it. Yeah, it's the middle ground. It's like he doesn't get what he wants, and they don't really get. Nobody gets what they want here. They're going to give Tory more of an opportunity with a hopefully a team that's not injured yeah. and some changes to to prove that he's worthy of this of managing. It was hard to justify firing him based off of kind of what he had to deal with this year and the hand that he had been dealt in terms of the roster. Yeah. But it was hard to justify giving him a multi-year contract because this team is probably going to end up as the worst in Diamondbacks history, and, and he does have to bear responsibility for that. I am I, I like Tory. We've hosted Tory's show, and that's not reason enough to keep the guy. I do think he is an excellent communicator with his players. I think as a manager, he does a very good job kind of behind the scenes, behind closed doors when it comes to communicating with his players about expectations, performance, things like that. I've got an issue, though. I mean, I have a major... Okay, Christian Walker, again, can't catch a damn pop-up last night in the game. Anybody watched the game, I know a lot of people aren't watching. Foul pop-up, Christian Walker goes and he drops it. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm tired of playing guys after they continue to make mistakes. Like, sit their asses down. Sit them down. Is Christian Walker in the lineup I don't today? even know, but I wouldn't put him in the lineup. And but there's been too many times this year when guys had a bad performance, throws the ball away, sloppy defense, and, and they get rewarded by playing the next day. He is in the lineup today. I mean, I just don't understand it. I mean, I don't understand it. A foul pop, and he goes to catch, and he drops it. It's another error for Christian Walker. Like, I like play somebody else. Like, that's that, like you can't accept that. And so... I think Tory's loyalty to a fault with these guys. Now you can make the argument who you're going to play. I don't care. I don't care who you play. But these players that continue to make these mistakes and then get in the lineup the next day, I mean, you, you got to you know you got to get to a point where you almost fear for your job a little bit. Like, hey, I got to play better if I'm going to stay in the lineup. I can't re- reward guys. Mm-hmm. I don't want to re- keep rewarding guys and letting them be in the lineup when they keep making mistakes. The second Christian Walker dropped that foul pop last night. And you know, you know this. How this team's defense this year was abysmal. I mean, it was abysmal. It was, it it was. was terrible. And I, I just hate. Is seeing that Tory's guys... fault? Yes. Yeah, it's on tour. Of course, it's on. Of course, it's on. He, it's his fault. I mean, he's oh, responsible he's for it. Responsible for it. He's he's responsible for it. The players, the players are ultimately, are, are ultimately there's, there's a guy out there them. who's making not making the play. It's not Tory. Well, Christian Walker's getting him. He, he's not. I don't think he'll be back with the team. I don't think they'll tender him a contract. Think, I don't think he will either. I, w- I wouldn't tender him a contract. I don't think he's going to be back. I'm just saying at some point, Tory's level of responsibility for what they're doing on the field. There, there's a starting and a stopping. point But can you for not that. play the guy? Can you say he could? Yeah, you could. I don't think they have a lot of options right now, especially for. There's just not. The this roster is message, bare man. bones, it's, but it's just a message. Like, hey, you can't play like that and, and get rewarded with four bats the next day. You want to play? You got to play better. Yeah. Text the word "gate" to six twenty six twenty. Register to participate in the Arizona Sports Ultimate Virtual Tailgate Experience. It's fueled by M Drive. Join your favorite Arizona sports host before the Cardinals game this Sunday. You're going to have the chance to win amazing prizes, including tickets to an upcoming football game, autographed memorabilia, and much more. Again, text the word "gate." To 620-620. When we come back in the Burns and Gambo show, when you look at the quarterbacks playing this, this weekend, it wasn't that long ago Kyler Murray was Trevor Lawrence. He's not anymore. We'll tell you about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. 
You know, if you're gonna wait for rejoin music, I'm gonna wait for Cobain and Grohl and the boys from Seattle. Just let it come as it is. Come as you are. It's okay. Do you remember the 23rd no, day of September? No. no. Oh, okay. No, no, All right. no, not at all. Burns and Gambo here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We're going to talk with uh, a Jags reporter coming up in the next segment about this Jacksonville team coming up. But it's, uh, boy, a couple years ago in college football, this would have been a heck of a matchup. Kyler Murray versus Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be... He's a top pick in the draft, just like Kyler Murray was a couple of years ago. Yeah, he'll he's be gonna, fine. He's gonna be he'll he'll, he'll be, be fine. fine. There's gonna be a lot of scrutiny that comes with that spot. And so far this year, as you would expect, there has been a ton of scrutiny on him, and not a lot of it has been good. I mean, he had a great opening drive last week against the Broncos. I think he had forty five yards the rest of the game. The rest of the game was terrible. After that, um He's off to a rough start. He's off to a rough start. He's, he's, he's accurate use. He's, he's not getting much run support. His defense has been terrible. He's throwing the ball way, way too much. But I haven't gotten a sense that there's some belief that the Jags got this wrong after two games. This is just typical rookie quarterback kind of stuff that you're dealing with here. Yeah, I, I want to I go over this uh, because this is pretty interesting. Kyla Murray, first two games compared to Trevor Lawrence, first two games. If you got a pen, you could write this down. Okay. Um, but Kyler Murray, 54 completions out of 94 attempts with a 57.45 completion percentage. Okay. Two touchdowns, one interception, 657 yards, sacked eight times. Okay. Rushing, six attempts for 17 yards, one fumble. First two games. Six attempts, 17 yards, one fumble. That's his first two games. Okay. Trevor Lawrence, 42 out of 42 out of 84. 42 out of 84, completion percentage 50%, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Quarterback rating is a 57.1. Murray's was actually an 81.7. And he has been only sacked two times, and he has 19 yards rushing on three attempts. Murray's were better. Murray got so Lawrence has been sacked two times. Murray was sacked eight times, eight times. in his first but that's, two games. That, but that's the only number where Murray was was 657 yards compared to 450. 450. So, so Murray threw for Murray. Yeah, it's big edge for Murray. Two uh, touchdowns and one interception for Murray. Compared to four touchdowns and five. And so Trevor Lawrence has thrown four touchdown passes, right? Mm-hmm. But and five times as many interceptions. Five as times did. interceptions. Yeah. 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 For not as many yards, a much lower quarterback rating, 57.1 to 81.7. Uh, I did. I lo- was looking at it a little further. Yards per attempt. Kyler Murray was at seven yards per attempt his first two games. Trevor Lawrence was at 5.4. I mean, it, it's and if you go by win-loss record... Trevor Lawrence was 0-2 in his first two starts, and Kyler Murray was 0-1-1 in his first two starts at the NFL. I mean, other than the sacks, the sacks and the interceptions, which are two obviously big things, Murray had more of those. He took more sacks, and, and well, no, he didn't have more interceptions. I'm sorry. He had, he had fewer touchdown passes. Kyler Murray was, I don't know, you remember how you feel about Kyler Murray after the first two games of his rookie season? You can look at the numbers all day. Do you remember... 
Do you remember feeling discouraged? Do you remember feeling like they got it wrong? Do you no, I felt thinking... like they got it. I felt like they got it right. I felt like he was going to be good. Yeah. I had a much different feeling than I did with Rosen. You know, I, I remember early thinking that my Kyler's good. Like Kyler's good. And maybe those first two games didn't pop the way. You know, I was surprised when you know to look back at the rushing. That you know, six. I'd have to go back to the game logs and look, but six rushing attempts in the first two games for seventeen yards. So he didn't run those first two games. He ran three times for thirteen yards against the Lions in the tie. He ran three times for four yards against the Baltimore. It wasn't until, and I remember this now about his rookie season. You know what? It's funny how you look at a stat sheet and it kind of jogs your memory a little bit. He didn't have more than three rushing attempts in an NFL game until week three against Carolina when he ran it eight times. And then his like big awakening happened in week five against the Cincinnati Bengals of his rookie season. Ten carries for 93 yards. He followed that up with 11 carries, and then he followed that up with 10 carries. So for like three straight games, it was like, oh, yeah, running the ball. This is what I do. I can right. do this. I, right. I can. Look, Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine. I, I, I think it, it, in some ways it's a really similar situation to what Kyler went through. He's got a college coach for a head coach who's not only learning how to win with a rookie quarterback, but he's learning how to win in the NFL. We'll talk more about this later, but Urban Meyer's comments to Vic Fangio after the Broncos game last week, man, in the NFL, every game's Alabama. Every single game is Alabama, right? So Kyler had to deal with a first-time NFL head coach. Uh, Trevor is working with a first-time NFL head coach. The talent around you is always going to be a big, huge part of how this is going to work for you. And right now, there's not a lot of great talent around Trevor Lawrence. Not a lot at all. And so it's it's going to be a struggle. They're going to take their lumps. So this- look at two years later. So Kyler Murray's first two games, he had two, to- two total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Two years later, he's got nine total touchdowns. Yeah. Like, that's where the growth you expect. Like, that's why you, you got to look at this if you're the Jaguars or you're Trevor Lawrence, man. It's... A lot of times it doesn't happen right away. A lot you got to learn this. You got to learn this league. It's a, it's a it's it's at a different level than college, man. You got to learn how to play in this league. Learn how to excel in this league. Learn how to practice and how to prepare. Kyler Murray has seven touchdown passes and two touchdown runs. He's got nine touchdowns. Two years ago, he had two touchdowns after the first two games. The difference, night and day, right? I mean, he's so much better now. Than he was two years ago. Yeah. So this is the year. This is that. This is the year where it kind of clicks, and you kind of figure: Do you got a legitimate stud, or do you not have? Do you not have a quarterback? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we take a good hard look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Week Three opponents for the Arizona Cardinals. We just talked about Trevor Lawrence. What about the rest of that roster? We'll talk about it coming up. Ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Thursday afternoon edition of the Burns and Gambo Show flagship home of the Arizona Cardinals, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And joining us right now on the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line, he covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for the ESPN NFL Nation. He is Mike DiRocco, and he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Mike, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. Thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. So, so let's let's get your initial thoughts. What what are you seeing after the first two games with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence? Well, I'm seeing a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback trying to navigate their way through their first NFL season. Uh, a lot of ups, uh, a lot of downs, uh, a lot of 
things said that probably either get blown out of proportion or taken out of context by both of them sometimes uh, and other stuff that they say that they deserve to get ripped for. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's kind of what I expected uh, in terms of Trevor Lawrence because, you know, it, it's – I guess a lot of people around here expected him to be the guy that broke, you know, Andrew Luck's uh, yardage record, rookie yardage record, or Justin Herbert's touchdown record. Uh, and that may still happen, but the bottom line is, is this is not a good roster. Uh, they were 1-15 for a reason last year, so he didn't exactly have a ton of help around him. So he's just kind of struggling through a little bit here, but you see a lot of flashes from him where you go, wow, yeah, that's why he was the number one pick. That's why he's a generational prospect. But, uh, you know, it's pretty much gone the way I kind of expected. Yeah, we looked back just before on Kyler Murray's first two games in the NFL. Kyler Murray's got nine total touchdowns right now, seven passing and two rushing after two games. But you go back to his first year, he only had two touchdowns and an interception, and he only ran for like 17 yards in his first two games. So, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of growing pains with Trevor. Was was the was the game plan always to start him from day one, or was there any thought that he might benefit from sitting a little bit? No, despite the faux quarterback competition, Trevor Lawrence was this team's starting quarterback from the day they lost to the, the Chicago Bears yeah. in early December. I mean, this was the guy. I mean, and, and that's what they have to do. They have to put him in there, and they have to go through this, and he has to go through it. Um but he has just the, the absolute perfect mindset for it. So even like these struggles that he's going to go through, like he knows it's going to happen and he understands, uh, but his confidence is not shaken. And I hear people talking about, oh, my gosh, the Jags are going to break this kid. I don't think anybody could break this kid mentally. I really don't. I don't think playing anywhere um, would set this kid back. He's going to be absolutely fine mentally. I don't have any – um, concerns about that at all. No Jaguars people, fans inside the organization should have, any, should have any concerns about that. He's going to take his lumps. He knows it, and he's ready for it. Yeah, stylistically, and we're t- uh, we're talking with Mike DiRocco. He covers the Jags for ESPN.com and NFL Nation with ESPN. From a football standpoint, and you're going to know a hundred times more about this than I am, but from from afar. They're falling behind in all of these games, and and it's causing. It looks like it's causing their offense to get way out of balance in terms of how much they should be running and how much they should be passing. Do you see anything on the horizon that even if they do get behind big in a game to stick with a game plan that would limit the number of times he's throwing, or are they good with him throwing the ball seventy three percent of the time so far in these games? No, 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 no. They would want that to be a little – it's never going to be 50-50. That's a pipe dream. But they want a lot more uh, run-pass balance than what they have. Now, um, in part of it, again, in that first week, they got behind by 20 points at the end of the first half, and then it's pretty much you know abandoned the run at that point. But they didn't really stick with the run last week when they were only down 13. I mean, 13 is not insurmountable. It's a two-score game. Uh, but they went away from the run there as well. And, and the thing of it is, is when they run the ball, they've been effective with it. Uh, it's just that James Robinson has 16 carries in two games, and that's just unacceptable. Uh, now, the first week they got behind the chains a little bit at times because, you know, it, like happens to every fourth-year wide receiver and fifth-year, you know, offensive tackle, you forget how to line up on the line of scrimmage. I mean, I mean, it was just – Stupid operational penalties like that that really, really set him back. It was just, 
a lot of incompetence, and you wanted to see a significant improvement in that in week two, and you did. But I mean, they're, they're not really helping him out. I mean, if you if you were able to get some of that all twenty two tape and and watch. Uh, you'll see that there's not a ton of separation from these receivers. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some times where he's not willing to take the check down, and he's going to throw it uh, and go downfield with it when he probably should take the seven- or six-yard throw and the easy throw and do all that stuff. But, um, you know, that's, again, like we talked about, part of the learning process. But they, I would expect uh, a much heavier dose of James Robinson this week than we've seen in the first two weeks provided the game doesn't get away from them. And with Kyler Murray playing as well as he is, that game may get away from them quicker than they expect. Yeah, the danger with the rookie quarterback is if if he's getting his head knocked in, right? If he's getting sacked three, four, five times a game and he's just taking a beating – this Cardinals pass rush, obviously in week one, Chandler Jones with the five sacks. But you've got Chandler, you've got Marcus Golden, you've got J.J. Watt, who hasn't registered a sack yet. They'll, they'll bring the blitz with Vance Joseph. How concerned are the Jaguars with the Cardinals pass rush this week? Yeah, it, it is at the top of their list, absolutely. Now, this offensive line has played uh, okay to pretty well at times. Uh, you know, they only gave up one sack last week and one sack in, in, in week one. So he's thrown the ball 80-some-odd times, and he's only been sacked twice. Now, he's been flushed, and he's been hit, and he's been sometimes had to throw from a very, very condensed pocket where there's guys all around him. Um, but so far, you know, it, the beating hasn't been as bad as I anticipated it would be because those two tackles, Cam Robinson and Juwan Taylor, they're not very good. Uh, they combined to give up 27 sacks last year, so that's horrendous. Now, um, you know, you can do a little bit to protect those guys, keep a tight end in there, but, man, you, when you've got Jones and, and, and Watt, <laughs> you know, you'll be sending one guy out in the pattern if you're keeping everybody in to kind of protect, and that's just not going to work. So, yeah, that's uh, that, to me, the matchup, you know, that's going to determine how quickly this game uh, either gets out of control or, or how many turnovers the Jags commit is whether those tackles can hold up at all. Yeah, uh, we're chatting here with Mike DiRocco. He covers the Jags for ESPN, ESPN.com. I, I was, okay, here it is. I just got it. I was trying to look this up real quick. In his career as a college coach, he has lost 32 games total. How is Urban Meyer handling 0-2 to start off his NFL career? You know, uh, I covered Urban uh, when he was at the University of Florida. I worked for the paper in Jacksonville at the time covering the Gators. And uh, I did not know what to expect after the season opener when he walked into the media room. Because, like I said, I was there. I saw the way he was after every single loss. It was the end of the world for him. (laughs) Uh, I mean, and you would get like one or two-word answers. He'd be staring at the podium, no eye contact. It was it was just like his world had ended. It was awful. Um, so he walked in after the Houston loss, and he was okay to deal with. I mean, he was fine. I mean, obviously upset at the loss. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Right. But, you know, was able to actually talk and answer questions and stuff. So he, he knows or he knew that he was going to deal with more losses. Um, but I think there was still a part of him that thought, you know what, well, yeah, I know it, but until I'm in it, you know, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, – there we go. Uh, the problem is, is that for Urban, he's only lost two, but this franchise has lost seventeen in a row. Right. So the fans are just losing their minds here, as they should. Um, and you know, Urban's been pretty good. He's talking about, you know, stay with us, don't give up on us, and 
And for Urban, it's don't give up on us after an 0-2 start. But the fans see don't give up on us, even though we've lost 17 in a row and have had 10 or more losses in nine of the last 10 seasons. So, uh, But he's been pretty good to deal with, which was a surprise to me. Right, be, be honest. Where, do you see a win in the schedule this year? I mean, is, is it the Texans game? Where, where do you see them getting a W? Well, I would have thought it was the Texans game, and then they went out there and got their rear end spanked. Uh, well, so they play him again. The, yes, they do. That changes things a little bit. Um, but honestly, uh, I look at the schedule going now. If they don't get a win against Miami in London before the bye week, I think they're going to break or at least come close to tying or breaking that Bucks record because wow. after the bye week, they've got to go out to Seattle. They've also got a trip out to the L.A. Rams. Um, you know, it, it's not an easy schedule after the bye week at all. So, um, you know, who knows what Tua is going to be uh, in terms of his ribs at that point. Will they be playing Jacoby Brissett? Will they be playing Tua in Miami? I don't know. But, you know, they're going to Cincinnati next week. Uh, it, it's It's – yeah, it's going to be tough, to be honest with you, because they have so many limitations, and the playmakers just aren't there. Uh, that that ETN losing him to the, the the Liz Frank injury was a terrible blow, and, and it's impacting this offense maybe more than we initially thought. So, you know, I hate to be the doom and gloom guy, but you know, if they win four this year, I think that would be a really really good year for them. Mike, we appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for coming on for a few minutes, and we will hopefully get a chance to talk to you in the future. Maybe five years down the road when the Cardinals play the Jags again. Who knows? <laughs> this is not a very common matchup. So I, I don't know when we're going to have you back on the show, but you were great. We enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. you got got Mike DeRocco joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Coulter Infinity, luxury cars, legendary service. Visit CoulterInfinity.com. Well, this is their sixth matchup since 2000, I think. It's not a very not a very common so five one for more the years, NFL. Huh? Sex, this is your thoughts on this matchup, the FanDuel text line. It's open and available to you right now at 620-620. When we come back, the Phoenix Suns, man, four weeks away, less than four weeks away from the season opener. How is this year's squad seen in the eyes of around the country? Look no further than the rise of one key piece. That's coming up. Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. We actually came up with this poll question yesterday. We were worried one of the other shows was going to steal it from us. I'm just glad we got it out of the way yesterday so we didn't have to worry about prepping it today. Uh, I, right? We just be done with it. That's what we should always do. Just come up with the poll question a day So, Gambo, we'll need you again at 4.30 to come up with uh, tomorrow's poll question. All right. That's okay. We'll see what we can do. Put the pressure on you. Uh, what is today's poll question of the day, even though we came up with it yesterday? Yeah. So, if you weren't listening yesterday, this is the poll question we came up with for today. We're looking at this weekend's games for ASU and the Cardinals. And we talked about potential upsets. So we ask, which team this weekend do you feel is more likely to pull off, I spelled off wrong, I spelled of the upset, over their Arizona foe? Jaguars over Cardinals or CU over ASU? Yeah, we were talking yesterday about trap games, and that's yep. kind of how we stumbled into the conversation. It's a it's a definite trap game for the Cardinals by its kind of definition, and it's almost a trap game for ASU. Uh, it would be a complete trap game if they had beat BYU last week. I think the team most likely to spring the upset are the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. I don't think either are going to happen, but I think the Jags are the most likely. I don't think upset. either's going to happen either, but I'm going to go with Colorado. Okay. I haven't liked the way ASU's played for three games. Um, Colorado did play like they lost, but they played well against A&M in the opener, right? They did. Yes, they did. Okay. 
It's an interesting question. It, it is an interesting question. I For me, it's just right down party lines. It's the Cardinals are on the road. ASU is at home. All right. And I just think that adds that element of danger to it. So uh, what's danger, the audience? Danger, Will so, Yeah, maybe danger is a little hyperbole, but you know what I mean. Uh, what's the audience say on this one? The audience <clears throat> at 79.5% think that the Buffaloes are going to pull off the upset against the Sun Devils Ooh. right here in wow, the Wow, that's, that's, I did not expect that. Think that the more likely upset is Colorado. They don't think yeah. that Colorado will upset. This, if, if there's going to be an upset, going that by Colorado the of the is the more. Yeah. Is, mm. So 79.5 for CU and only 20.5 for the Jags over the Cardinals. ASU did look that bad on Saturday night, right? Like, if you're going to pick one where you go, oh, man, ASU's just taking on water just right now. Trust them. I can see why 80% of our audience might pick Colorado. There's, a, I, there's I not honestly, a lot of trust for ASU. I thought football. it would be. I thought more people would think the Jaguars would have pulled it off. Yeah. I thought I was going to be in the minority. Vast majority. Vast majority Let's so see, far. Keep, keep track of that. Let's see how much that changes. Okay. Write down what it is now. Let's see what the, how that changes 1? in two right. hours. Was that what it was? 79? I got 79 and a half and 20 and a half. Let me okay. just jot that down. Let's see where we are at 430 when we swing around to that one. You can find the poll question of the day here on Burns and Gambo. At Burns and Gambo, one word on Twitter. Uh, at Burns and Gambo, give us a follow while you're there. Mitch is running our Twitter account for us. He'll be more than happy to interact with you on social media. It's the perfect companion to Burns and Gambo. Four weeks from yesterday. Right, it's yesterday. You said that to me, and it's just like I, I feel like two weeks ago I was watching Devin Book in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, and like to, like a, like a week before that, the season ended, and now like the day the season's starting. Like, jeez, I know, man, that came quick. Four weeks from yesterday, let's go. The Phoenix Suns open the 2021 2002, and I'm laughing because for exactly what you just said, it feels like it just ended. Yeah, and I'm also laughing. With kind of that giddy sort of excitement of, like, uh, like you and I were talking about it off the air. I can't wait. I can't wait for sun season this year. I, I'm more excited about it now than you've been in ten years. It it, it really yeah. it's really true, like true. speaking to my soul. It's just crawling right inside of me, and it's kind of tapped into what I love about my love of the suns going back to when I was a kid. It, it reawakened you. It, it totally. That's the best way to phrase it. It re, this whole summer. Reawakened the Suns fan within me. I yeah. forgot how much I love this it. team when this team is great. So you're going to tell me we're less than four weeks away from the opener? At, do you remember us being at those playoff games and like the crowd was so loud? It was like I just got to take my phone out and videotape this and yeah. send it to a bunch of people so they could so they could hear it. Like I would send it to my friends in New York. Like listen to how loud this place is. You know, I'd get there. We'd, you know, we 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 would remember fighting the traffic and mm-hmm. trying to get there in time, and you parking two miles away and walking. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just, um, it was a, it was a, it was a, a chore to get into the place. <laughs> it sure was. And then we'd look at the schedule. Oh, the damn Diamondbacks are playing the same day. Why? <laughs> so as we gear up towards the season, and the season opener is a nationally televised tilt against the Denver Nuggets. And what is that? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. no, Jordan's, Jordan's not yeah, here. L- Lauren's here. No, no, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah. So we're we're working on that. Uh, Denver, Jordan's got the day off. He'll be back in about a week. Jordan's or so. listening right now. He jumped up. At he his did. Chair. He probably did. Like He's Pavlov's like, dogs, right? Look, He's like, look at <laughs> his little whistle. He's ready for some food. Sure. Uh, October twentieth against the Denver Nuggets today. Uh, ESPN and they've been doing this the last couple of days. ESPN they do this every single year, and we usually don't pay that much attention to it. And, and to be honest, it's a very subjective thing to begin with. But ESPN 
ranking the NBA players, right? Who's the best player, second best, and they, they do this for the top 100. Well, now when you're you know two wins away from winning the NBA championship, suddenly you're a lot more interested to see where they rank the Suns on this list. Mikel Bridges was ranked as the 66th best player in the NBA by ESPN. Um, I'm going to skip the one we want to talk about and just go right to the front of the line. Devin Booker was ranked as the 15th best player in the NBA. I had been so curious because last year he was in the 20s, and we were wondering where is he going to move up to? Like, is he going to get? Could he reach top 10? Nah, probably not. Yeah, but could he get top 15? And he got top 15. I think it was Kevin Pelton who last year did a thing on ESPN. We talked about it quite a bit, a bit where Booker ranked, and I think he was like 22nd. Um, on that list, and now he's 15th. Uh, on this list, he's ahead of Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Chris he's Middleton, some guys, and man. Kyrie Irving. He's passed some guys. Yeah, he's right behind Jason Tatum. He did not pass Chris Paul. Chris Paul is number 13 on the list. He'll pass him ne- next year. DeAndre Ayton mm. rose 17 spots nice. from number 52 to number 35, and they even had a little write-up about why specifically he rose 17 spots. Tell me. Aiton has been an almost nightly double-double for his whole career, but he made major strides as a defender in his third season. He finished 11th in the NBA in DRPM as one of the highest impact defenders and an anchor for the Suns' top 10 defense. That's why he rose 17 spots. Yeah, I was looking at you know some list where uh, Aiton was ranked as the sixth best NBA center. Hoops Hype did that, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Hoops Hype did that, yeah. So they had Jokic 1, I agree, Embiid 2. Now here's where I disagree. Rudy Gobert 3, Carl Anthony Towns 5, Bam Adebayo, uh, no, excuse me. Jokic 1, Embiid 2. Rudy Gobert 3, Carl Anthony Towns 4, Bam Adebayo 5. I think DeAndre is better than those three. I can, he's not as good as Nikolai Jokic, not as good as Joel, Joel Embiid. I can make an argument that he's better than Rudy Gobert. I certainly think he's better than Carl Anthony Towns. And I would say he's better than Bam Adebayo. So I think that he is a the third best center in the league right now. I think so. Seventh is Nikolai Vucevic with the Bulls, then Clint Capella then Christian Wood, and then Jonas Valanciunas. Those are your top ten. He's better than all those guys that are below him. But I think that he is, I think there's only two centers in this league I would want over him. Yeah, I'm figuring that the reason why you're putting him ahead of Gobert was was because Gobert was kind of exposed a little bit in the playoffs last year, how the Clippers especially kind of went small against the Jazz, and Gobert just wasn't equipped to deal with it. It was what allowed the Clippers to advance over the Jazz, whereas when they went small against the Suns, wasn't an ideal matchup for DeAndre Ayton, but he held his own out there. He was not a liability out there against the lineup like that. I would have Gobert right behind DeAndre. He's a great player. I really like him. I'm not saying I don't like him. I think he's great. I think DeAndre showed us the, the offensive element to his game. That he should, because that's saying, oh, what he did defensively. Yeah, you know, he's always kind of been that anchor defensively, and clearly he was, he was much better last year. Um, but I, I think that I think his offense caused a lot of problems for teams. I think DeAndre, we were talking about that throughout the playoffs. Man, he's shooting seventy five percent from the field. He's making all of these shots. He was like, hey, he was eight for ten in one game, ten for thirteen in another game. Like he was just so. He was just so consistent throughout the playoffs. That's why I would put him ahead of those guys. Week three of the NFL season, it kicks off tonight. There's still time for you to sign up for Bix Picks. 
Text the word PICK to 62620, sign up, and compete against Dan Bickley. Your chance at the grand prize of a tailgate package featuring a Yeti Tundra cooler and grill, courtesy of Modelo Especial. Weekly winners will also get a $100 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 62620 to enter. Week one, their best performance in the Vance Joseph era. Week two was less than stellar against Minnesota. What does the Cards defensive coordinator want to see from his group in week three? You'll hear what he had to say next on the Burns and Gambo Show.